All right. Hate to interrupt good conversation, uh, but we're going to get rolling this morning. So, uh, everybody find a seat. Real excited about this morning. Uh, we're going to tell some stories this morning. We've got a couple stories to tell, and I'm super excited about it. So, we've been, if you've been joining us, we're in a series uh, called You Can Change. And if you've missed any of it, jump on the website, go back, check them out. Uh, the messages are on there, they've been great. Uh, but John isn't here this morning, so some of you might know where he is. Yeah, yeah, he's not here, but he is changing diapers. Yeah, in case you don't know, look at that. That looks like a tired guy. He did all the work, right, ladies? He's just, he was up, <laughs> he was up, moms, you know what I'm talking about, he was up all night. I mean, look at him, he's tired. Uh, no, that was, that was the picture we got sent. We'd love to have included Taylor also, obviously, but uh, long day, long night, but a healthy baby boy. That's going to be Gregory John Almquist III, and we will all call him Trip, or any other try, tray, things you want to come up with, but Trip is going to be the official thing, so we're excited. Uh, but like I said, he's not here, obviously, so we're going to tell some stories this morning and uh, have a couple of testimonies about how God has changed lives, since that's what we've been talking about. Uh, here at the Springs, from the very beginning, we've always said that we were going to measure success by changed lives. We always said, hey, we're just going to put our head down, try to be faithful, and when we do that, we know God is going to do what he does. He's going to show up, and he's going to change lives. Uh, so we've always measured success by that, uh, and God is doing that. He's always changing lives. He says in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, uh, I am reconciling the world to myself, using the church to make the plea, but he is reconciling the world. So he's doing it, and we're just either going to be a part of it or we're not. So our goal here has always been to be faithful and be a part of what that is. So when that happens, when lives are changed, why is it important to tell the story, the story of it? Because life, life change can just happen behind the scenes in community groups and on Monday night when we have a recovery ministry that meets here. Uh, but why do we want to tell the story here on Sunday morning? Uh, I'm going to spend just a couple minutes of a great illustration out of Acts 3 and 4. And so obviously I'm not going to go all the way through Acts 3 and 4. We don't have the time. I'm just going to kind of give a quick summary overview of it. In Acts 3, you've got the church is kind of exploding. Jesus has died. Jesus has risen from the dead. Peter and John are walking into the temple. These are two guys that ran for the hills when Jesus died and now are sharing the gospel all over the place now that they've met the risen Jesus. So they're heading into the temple. They meet a a beggar at the gate, a lame man. And so Peter stops and looks at him and says he fixes his gaze right on him. And he says, I don't have silver and I don't have gold, but what I do have I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And so the guy does. He stands up, and obviously he doesn't just walk. He gets up. He starts jumping around. He's praising God. He's leaping about. So he walks in with Peter and John on into the temple, and people start recognizing, well, that's the guy from outside. Like, we've seen him sitting out there for years. Look at him. He's He's not just walking, he's like jumping around and praising God. So this draws a crowd. Peter takes the opportunity, starts sharing the gospel with them. So if you know where we are in Acts, kind of the Jewish rulers, Sadducees, leaders, they think when they killed Jesus, they kind of put that thing to bed. And they didn't realize they were only fulfilling what I was talking about in 2 Corinthians 5, where, hey, now the church is going to grow and the church is going to carry that message. Jesus died for our sins to pay that price. He's going to use his church to share that message. That's exactly what's happening here. So they arrest these two guys, and it's, the Scripture actually says they're annoyed with them. They're annoyed to keep having to hear about this Jesus. So they arrest them. 
And the problem is, they're standing there deciding, well, what are we going to do with him? Keep him in jail? Are we going to kill him? What are we going to do with him? And it says that seeing the man who was healed standing right next to him, they had nothing to say in opposition. They couldn't deny what they had seen. He's standing right there next to him. And so they decide, hey, we're just going to have to let him go. And it says, because of the people, for all were praising God. And so that's why we want to tell stories. We want to tell stories so that we can look and see, like, it's undeniable. Look at the healing. Look what God has done. This is what he does. This is what he does. So today we're going to have two folks, a couple from the Springs, come up. And they're going to be the ones. They're probably not going to be jumping and leaping. I don't know. Maybe. You never know. They might jump and leap. But they're going to praise God for the healing and change that he's done. And we're all going to get to see it. If you're a member here of the Springs or you're a believer, uh, two things to come out of this. Remember, this is the God you serve. This is the God you believe in, a God that heals, a God that changes. If you're visiting today, you're not a member, uh, you're not sure where you are, you're just seeking, asking questions about God, or maybe you've you got a feeling what you think about God, and maybe it's not great. You've got a story to tell. You've got real pain. For you, I hope that this also encourages you, though. This also may raise the, huh, kind of like the Sadducees. They're like, well, I don't know what to say about that. I can't really deny it. I pray that this would also in you create questions, create uh, just motive to, to think a little further. We'll be here afterwards to chat through that, and we'll always be here to answer those questions. So I'm going to introduce Laurie and Stacy Grammabauer. They are members here at the Springs, have been for a long time, serve faithfully at the back table. Laurie was singing up here. They serve on Monday nights at the Region Ministry. Great couple that a lot of you know. For me, uh, I go back over 10 years with them, and so they're real special people to me. I've seen God change them, grow them in amazing ways. I've seen them be part of my change and my growth and my family and my marriage uh, with me and my wife as well. So, uh, man, to say I've had front row seats to see what God's done in their lives, I feel like what's closer than front row? Can you, like, get on the court or on the field, whatever that is? That's where I feel like I've been, and I've been blessed to be there. So we're going to start with Laurie. So, Laurie, if you want to come on up, and uh, then Stacy will follow. morning. I almost came up and did one of those side, you know, jumps where you click your heels together, but I'll spare y'all. <laughs> that would be my leaping. Hi, my name is Laurie. <clears throat> I am so excited to be with you today to share with you that you can change. How do I know this? Because Jesus changed me. He transformed me simply because he loves me, and from his love, I sought to trust him. I still have plenty of things that I need to change in my life, but I can say with integrity, he has done a lot. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, and we, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It is with this change in mind that I would love to share with you a part of my story. I grew up in a family that loved and served the Lord. At a young age, I was told the story of salvation, how God sent his only son to die on a cross for my sins, that Jesus paid my debt of sin. So at the tender age of seven, I gave my life to the Lord. He didn't demand that I change or even get my seven-year-old little act together. All he asked was that I simply believe in him. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for, gra for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. 
The greatest change in my life happened when he saved me. Little did I know then what would be ahead, and that even though I was saved, I was still in need of change. At the age of 19, after being in a year-long relationship with my boyfriend, we were faced with an unplanned pregnancy. I was scared and ashamed. Although I was a Christian, it would be a lie to say I didn't consider abortion. While God would have loved and forgiven me, even if I had made that broken choice, he thankfully helped me to choose to keep and raise this gift of a child. When I told my boyfriend I was pregnant, the first thing he said was, let's get married. As thankful as I was that he was willing to take responsibility for our situation, we also agreed we didn't want to step into marriage just because of the pregnancy. We agreed we would take the next two weeks and pray and seek God in the next step. After the two weeks, we both felt at peace to get married. As hard as this time was, my church family at that time gathered around us and supported and loved us deeply. They were there to help disciple me in not only God's love, but how I could go about building my new, exciting family. I married my then-boyfriend and now-husband. It was during this time of change in my life that God helped me to make sure my relationship with him was again front and center. As I look back, I can not only see God's hand all over my life in helping me and my now-husband, but I can see how he used that season of my life to help me to change, to sincerely become more like him. Was I finally perfect? Just hold on. My story isn't over. God blessed us with five beautiful children. During our first 12 years of marriage, I felt our marriage was in a good place. We were happy, not perfect, but happy. We were always very involved with church and at times had great community. We knew that God called us to be in community with other believers to fight to live according to his word. And there were seasons where we had that and there were seasons where we didn't. About eight months before our 12-year anniversary, I became suspicious that my husband was being unfaithful. I would try to talk to him about it, and he would just tell me I was being insecure. I voiced my concerns to a few friends and even my pastor, and no one took me seriously. I didn't fully know it then, but my life was about to change forever. One day, I came home from picking the kids up from school, and I turned on the answering machine. I quickly stopped it when I heard the voice of the husband of the woman I had been suspicious of being involved with my husband. I told the kids to go play outside, and I listened to the rest of the message. He had called to let me know that my husband and his wife were having an affair. He had come across an email between the two of them. My world was turned upside down. I was devastated. Trust had been broken. I never knew pain like that. I felt it physically. I am thankful that when my husband's sin was exposed, he was immediately repentant. It was an excruciating time of our marriage. I was angry, hurt, confused, and angry again all at the same time. However, because of my faith and my love for my husband, I chose to forgive him and extend grace. This was not an easy thing to do, and in that moment, I was, I'm sorry, it, that was not an easy thing to do, and I know that forgiveness is not forgetting. But I am so thankful that in that moment, I was able to extend an undeserved love towards him, which is exactly what God had been doing toward me my entire life. But in the moments that followed, I struggled with my self-image. Nothing about me was good enough. I constantly compared myself to her. 
While I had fought to forgive, my life was thrown into a tailspin. All the years growing up in church, I never really learned who I was in Christ. While dealing with all of this, the church that we were in at the time did not care for my husband and me well. But how could they when two of the pastors were caught in affairs as well? I thought, is there any man out there that can stay faithful in a marriage? I was quickly losing faith in men, and at the same time, my faithfulness to God was failing. A few years after the affair, we left the church wounded. I grew bitter towards the church and towards God. I struggled thinking that I didn't deserve this. I was a good wife. My heart and my faith grew cold, and I became jaded. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13 says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Over time, I had drifted from an abiding faith in Christ, a real pursuit of him, and with that, my heart was becoming harder, colder, and more calloused. When temptation came, it was easy to give in, and I found myself in my first affair. The sin that had brought such pain to me, I was now committing myself. I was angry at God, others, and myself. I was lost. During the next several years, we skipped around to different churches. Wounded and hurt, we struggled to commit anywhere. We were so off track. I continued to step outside of marriage and had multiple affairs. So much of my life had become a lie, and it was exhausting. The shame and guilt was overwhelming at times, and I tried to make better choices, but time and time again, I would find myself in the same situations. I isolated myself. Feelings of low self-worth made it difficult for me to set healthy boundaries, and I strived to please man versus God. My husband never knew, and I never thought he would. I was faithless, useless, and ineffective. I was lost, and I needed God's help to change my life. I had tried it my way, and it didn't work. It never does. I needed him to show me how to change. Then we landed at the Springs. As we finally committed to a church, our hearts began to soften towards the things of God. I had longed for a place where people were real about their struggles and sin, a place that focused more on your relationship with God and not what you could get from him. My heart began to turn from my old ways, and my relationship with God began to mend. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I began to move towards God, and true to his promises, he began to run towards me. Over the years, I struggled wanting to confess my sin of adultery to my husband. I believed the lie that it would only cause him pain, and it was not worth it. I even thought at times that God was being gracious to me by not letting my sin be exposed. I was so deceived. Psalms 32, 3 and 4 says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. I fully know and trust that God wanted me to change, and he wanted me to change in a way that would bring me freedom not the exhausting lie I had been living for years. A few years after having been at the Springs, the Holy Spirit began to tug on my heart about confessing my sin. 
I had been growing in my faith in so many different ways over the years, but I knew there was a major stronghold in my life that God wanted me to trust him with. I tried to dismiss it for a while, but the tug of the Holy Spirit became stronger and stronger until I couldn't sleep. I wrestled in my spirit like I have never wrestled before. I was so scared of the consequences. I wanted to change. I wanted to be more faithful. I wanted an amazing marriage. But what if it all, if all that came at a tremendous consequence? I didn't think it was God punishing me. I knew that my sins have consequences. And despite the consequences, God wanted, me, God wanted to help me. But knowing all that, I was still terrified. I went with the Springs to a church conference. It was there that I heard a speaker share her story of adultery, how she too had been unfaithful to God and her husband, and how she too had hidden it and rationalized it away until she could do it no longer. She kept saying, today is the best day to confess. So I decided to trust God and be obedient. It had been years, but I was finally starting to trust God to change me. I was believing the truth that I was already forgiven by Christ, that because of his love, I was seen as holy, pure, and clean. God says those who believe in him have been freed, and confession was an act of me trusting God from that freedom. After leaving that session, I was able to connect with a pastor as well as a member, as members of my Springs community group. I first confessed to these members, and after seeking wisdom on how best to share with my husband, I immediately went and confessed to my husband. While it was a tremendous step of faith for me in trusting that God would care for me no matter the outcome, I only confessed my first affair. Before going to my husband, the pastor that had first counseled me had even asked if there was anything else to confess. The last 2%, I said no, knowing that there was more. I thought that would be enough to satisfy what God was asking me to do. But God made it clear very quickly that I had to confess it all. Over the next week, I was in turmoil. I continued to share smaller pieces of my sin with my community group and my husband. But it wasn't until one evening after being challenged to share it all that I finally confessed it all to my husband. My sin no longer controlled me. It was all out there. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The, power, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I confess to my husband, my children, my community group, and the people I served with at church. I ask for forgiveness for being deceitful in how I lived my life. I had broken trust with them. I couldn't control how they responded or if they forgave me, but that wasn't why I confessed. I confessed because I wanted to change. I confessed because I wanted to honor and obey God. I confessed because I was already forgiven. God's grace was shown to me time and time again. Freedom came into my life, and I truly began to change. I now fight to actively spend time in God's word, and I'm always trying to grow in my prayer life. But God's grace, by God's grace, my husband chose to extend forgiveness to me for my sins as he knew where unconditional love comes from. I am still with the same community group that I have been in for years, and they are a gift to me. They help me to keep changing and pursuing suing Christ. I also have the privilege to lead in our regeneration ministry on Monday nights. This ministry is a great place for me 
to not only help others, but to continue pursuing becoming like Jesus from one degree of glory to another. I struggled with thoughts of shame after I confessed. But since deciding to truly fight for an abiding relationship with Christ, I am learning who I am in Christ. I am loved, accepted, chosen, forgiven, blameless, righteous, holy, free, a new creation, his child, an heir, united in spirit with him, one who bears spiritual fruit, a sharer of his nature, able to know God, able to do God's will, and set apart for his good work. I am becoming more Christ-like. He has changed me, and I'm still changing. One of the major ways he continues to change me now is by developing a more discipled pursuit of him, as well as by helping me to grow in counseling others. For me, this often looks like responding biblically to conflict, which means actually resolving it. And while that has been hard, I am thankful that God has brought tremendous change into my life to make me a peacemaker, as Matthew 5 says, and not just a peace faker. A shout out to my sweet husband. He will share his story right after this. But he has shown me grace through this whole process. There have been some heavy, hard days, but I can tell you that God has walked every step with us. I can't even tell you how many times he has told me, how can I not forgive you? when I've been forgiven so much. Psalms 103, 2 through 5 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The benefits of being obedient so outweighs living with sin and its hold on me. And what is true for me is true for you. My unconfessed sin caused me to have a clouded view of how I thought God viewed me. The people of God here at the Springs have honestly helped me to learn that God is for me, not against me. He wants me free from sin and the death it brings. I am forgiven and set free, not because of anything that I did, but all because of what he did for me. I still wrestle with insecurity, low self-worth, and fear of man issues, but I also now pursue a God who loves me, helps me, and shows me how to change. I am not perfect, but I am changed. I am changed because he changed me. If he changed me, I promise that he can change you. I'd love to introduce now my husband, Stacy, as he shares with you how God changed his life as well. Thank you. Hi, my name is Stacy, and just like my amazing wife, Laurie, I'm excited to share with you um, how Jesus Christ changed my life. He's changed my life, and, uh, changed my life when, I, when I came to faith. But as a believer, he's actively been working to help me become more like him ever since. Now, I don't always hold up my end of the deal, but God always holds up, holds up his. Because of that, he has changed me. And if he changed, if he changed me, I promise he can change you. But in order for me to show you that, let me share a little bit of my story. 
Before truly connecting here at the Springs, my life was one of constant struggles with lustful desires and trying to maintain an image of myself to others as I tried to fix myself to look like that image I was portraying. I asked Jesus Christ into my heart at the age of eight because I knew that I was a sinner and I didn't want to go to hell. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Most of the teaching I received growing up was about what not to do. You don't drink, don't smoke, don't have sex before marriage. And the only do was do unto others as they would do unto you. Or you would have them do unto you. I felt like it was just a lot of rules that I had to follow to get God to love me. At the age of 18, I met my now wife and we dated on and off for about a year. Still struggling with lust and having sex before marriage, we found ourselves in an unplanned pregnancy. I immediately told her that we would get married. While there were many other difficult areas in my life at this time, I headed off into a new marriage hoping that my issues with lust, family, and life would be solved. I was sadly so wrong. I was in desperate need of a real, eternal, glorious change but that would take me years and quite a lot of pain to fully realize that. In our first year of marriage, we had five kids, and we were very involved in the local church. While there were amazing things and tremendous memories to celebrate during this time, that was, it was also at that, um, that my heart began to drift away from God. I was not abiding with him as I should. And with that drift, my heart began to grow cold. Jude 20, 21 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to lead you to eternal life. I was neglecting what mattered most. And when I do that, or when you do that, you begin to change. Sadly, though, you change for the worse. Twelve years into our marriage, I found myself allowing another woman in our church to catch my attentions, and I kept pushing the boundary of that relationship. I eventually gave in to the desire and had an affair. I had always told myself I would never do that, yet here I was. I was unfaithful to my God and my wife. This was my pride on display. I hate to admit this, but the affair probably would have lasted longer had I not been caught and it was made very public. I felt so ashamed and feared that I would lose everything that I cared about and worked hard to achieve. I was broken and felt like God could never use me for what, after what I'd done. All I felt was guilt and shame. I totally destroyed my wife's world when my affair was exposed. Even though I had wounded her and she felt the betrayal of my actions, she, offer, she offered me mercy. I was willing to do whatever it took to make it up to her. I realized how my selfishness, it not only hurt me, but it hurt my wife, my family, and my friends. 
I knew that God had forgiven me of the sin of the affair. And I did find freedom, not having to hide that sin anymore. Proverbs 10, 9 says, He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. I wish that I could have been the one to bring my sin forward and confess it, but God loved me enough But God loved me enough to bring it to light so that I was forced to no longer hide. I didn't want to hide in the darkness like, I, like that again. I knew that I was capable, and I had determined at that time I needed to put some guardrails up in my life so that I wouldn't end up in this situation again. Although I had experienced freedom after my affair, I still try to control the desires for lust and pornography, failing often. I believe that if people, and especially my wife, knew the real me, not the one I was portraying, that they would reject me. Have you ever felt like a fraud? I did. Especially one who had been caught. What is amazing to reflect on is how even though My life and faithfulness were so upside down. Even though I was truly a fraud, God saw me as loved, forgiven, and new. He knew the real me, the good and the bad, and he still loved me. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We left the church And over the next five years, we decided to focus more on our family and doing whatever we wanted. While focusing on our family sounds like it sounds good in our culture, that decision was not a healthy one. We needed more of God, not less. Throughout this time, we looked for comfort in anything but God. I was still serving in the military and spent a couple of years deployed to various locations while my wife stayed behind to take care of the family. After a while, we just got tired of living this way. We knew that we were not finding the contentment that we were looking for. We decided that we needed to get involved in church again, but this time, we didn't want to play church. We wanted something that was real, not another religion. I wanted, no, I needed a relationship with God. I wanted to change. That's when we started at the Springs. It was a place where it's okay to not be okay. People desiring to not just go to church, but to be the church. To be authentic and talk about your struggles. Although it was freeing to be able to share my story of adultery and how God had walked us through that hard time, it also scared me. I was scared to talk about the other issues that I was still struggling with my addiction to pornography, my pride, and my control issues. After getting involved in various ministries, we were invited to attend a church conference with some other members of the Springs. I remember sitting in the same session that my wife had told you about, where the speaker talked about her past affair and how God had changed her marriage. Her main point was, today is the best day to, forget, to confess And it was in that conference that I was hit with one of the hardest things I'd ever had to deal with. 
While sitting in a breakout session, I got a text from a friend to meet my wife in the chapel. And it was there my wife confessed to me that she too had been unfaithful in our marriage. Over the next week, she would confess to four additional affairs after ten year, over a 10-year period. I was devastated at this point. While I felt like my whole world was collapsing, the only shred of hope that I held on to was knowing that there was finally no secrets between us. Ephesians 5, 11 through 14 says, Take no part in the unfaithful works of darkness, but, in its, but expose them. For it is shameful even to, to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. We were finally in the light. And in that light, I, I felt freedom. God was changing us. For the longest time, I had believed that our marriage was strong, only to realize that we were broken and that, that I couldn't fix it myself. I couldn't change it. I needed, my need for control didn't change the fact that I couldn't change it on my own. I needed God's help. I knew that I had to forgive and move forward. But how was I going to do that? What was that process? What was it? Not only did God show me that I had to forgive, but I had also to fight for, to forgive the men that sh as well, those men as well. What did that look like? It would be hard, but God kept reminding me that I was once that guy. I had broken someone else's marriage. I had taken something that was not mine. I offended a kind, loving, and holy God, yet I was forgiven. Not only that, Jesus says that it is adultery to look upon a woman with lustful intent. He who is without sin cast a stone of condemnation. I had no stones. But God wasn't done working. Throughout this process, God began to really use our community group to help us. We had been attending for two years, but this was the first time that we actually shared, started to, to slowly become biblical community for one another. In addition to that, I went through the Monday night discipleship group regeneration. It was there I began to process all the stuff in my struggling marriage and how to forgive. I thought I was going, I was going because I needed to fix my marriage, but what I learned was far more. God wanted my personal relationship with him to be marked by words like real, abiding, steadfast, dis disciplined, intimate, and sincere. I remember the first night sitting in a group with about 20 men thinking it was almost my turn to share why I was there. We started going around the room, and I told myself, you've got this, just put it out there. I found myself struggling to say it between the tears and the pain. I had worked so hard to put on a front that I had it all together. I knew that I needed to be an actual community. I knew that I needed to run towards an abiding relationship with Christ. I knew a place like this was where I needed to be. I had made a mess of my life so far, 
and couldn't keep doing what I had been doing, thinking things would be different. It was around this time where God truly began to change my life. I began to live out the one another's of Scripture with authenticity. I began to pursue God daily. I fought to spend time in His Word. I fought to take my thoughts captive. I fought to tell myself that despite all the pain and sin and dysfunction, I was loved, forgiven, and redeemed. I fought the doubt about my marriage, knowing that God wanted to heal and make everything better. I fought the lie that I could never really change. I fought the lie that even if I did change, it would just be a little, or that it would just be for a little while. I fought it all. Why? I wanted to change. And for the first time in my life, I knew that God was, on, was with me. I knew that I couldn't do it on my own. I fought to, to cling to the truth that God loved me and was for me. As I grew as a disciple, I realized I was not able to fix myself. Romans 7.18 says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. That was me. As hard as I tried on my own ability to do everything right, I consistently failed. I'd faced the fact that I was powerless to fix myself. I had to grasp that change starts, ends, and is carried by God. I then realized that even though I had trusted in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I was still trying to fix myself by simply controlling my behavior. I needed God to change my heart by changing my beliefs. It was from there that the changes started to to show not to only my wife, but also my friends, family, and community. I still struggle with believing that God has already paid the debt of my sin and trusting him to take control of every area of my life. It took me realizing that it was my lack of a disciplined pursuit of God as well as a toleration of sin that had led my life into uh, that had led to a life without freedom. God had granted me freedom by his forgiveness, but I needed to resist the devil and draw near to him. I had heard the word repent so many times. The word screams freedom. It's a turning away from sin and towards God. But why did I continually return to the same old sins of pride and control and sexual sin that had caused me so much pain? I was tired of repeating my sinful ways and trying and thinking that if following God's path got too hard, I could just go back to the things that gave me comfort. I needed to turn everything over to him, not look back, no plan B's. When I gave up control to him, I allowed him to change my heart. In 2 Timothy 2.22, it says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. I am by no means fixed, but God brought tremendous change in my life when I realized, confessed, and fought to repent of my insatiable and often unconscious need for control. 
It was at that point that I truly started to experience the freedom that God had provided me. Then there came a moment when I was going to be tested with all of this. Not only my dependence on God and his word, but my willingness to walk in a costly obedience. I wanted change, and he promised his way is better. I had to trust him again. My wife and I were going to attend an upcoming event where one of the men that that my wife had had an affair with would more than likely be there. I knew that if that happened, I wanted to be ready. After counsel with my wife and community group and God's word, I decided to to write down what I would say if I were to encounter this guy. As I started writing the letter, I knew that I couldn't do this out of my own strength. I needed God to help me through this time. As I began to write that letter, I felt God help me put the words down on the page. I was able to address the sin that he had committed against me and how it hurt me and my family. It was at that point that God reminded me of when I was that guy and I hurt so many people with my sin. I no longer saw this man as a horrible person but as a broken man needing God's love and mercy. I was able to share that I had walked in his shoes, how my sin hurt not just me, but everyone around me. I was able to share that because of what God had done in my life and what I had learned about biblical forgiveness, I was not seeking repayment or revenge. I chose to forgive him. His sin was now between him and God. God gave me peace after writing that letter. It was like he was saying, this is as much for you as it is for me or for that man. So the event came and yes, he was there, but it wasn't the right time to approach him. Even though I have, I have not sent the letter or I've had an opportunity to meet this man face to face, I do believe that a time will come, and, my, and by God's grace, I will be faithful to share it. However, there's one thing I know. I could not have done that before. God had changed me, and God was changing me. Since going all out in the springs, God has changed me in so many ways. Again, I'm not fixed by any means, but I know who I am in him. He loves me, and he and, he can tr- and I can trust him with my life, not just eternity. I see more quickly when I'm trying to control or allow pride to sneak in. I understand my addictions and struggles. I, I don't have to control things. Just let God. I don't worry that what people think about me or my past. I care more about what he thinks of me. I have learned to identify the root of my sin Confess it to God and others and make a plan for repentance. I no longer have to put on an act and hide sin. God has changed me and God is changing me. God has taken our marriage to a new level. After 32 years of putting up an act for each other, we see each other differently. We're quicker to forgive one another. We don't forget what we put each other through. 
But we are thankful for, to God that he didn't leave us there. He took a broken marriage full of pain and made it into something that we could never do on our own. God has changed our marriage. God is, is changing our marriage. If you're here and you're wondering if you can really change, on behalf of Laurie and me, please know that you can change. He did it for us. He wants to do it for you. It starts by simply knowing him, by believing that he died for all your sins. Why? He wants you to know forgiveness. If you already know this truth, he wants you to keep changing. To take seriously the call to be more like him, I want to take that call to be more like him, seriously. And as a church body, that is our only aim. You can change. Thank you. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Pretty much whatever I had, I'm just going to kind of scrap for the most part. I'm not going to make everybody forget what we just heard by rambling on about uh, other stuff. Uh, I want to encourage just two thoughts, though. Uh, one is to recognize their acknowledgement of how much they poured. Did you hear how much scripture informed everything they thought? Every, every lie they had followed before the way it was changed to a truth was by informing their mind with Scripture. Uh, I encourage everybody to go back, uh, listen to that again, make notes, write all that down, because ultimately what their story is is something that should be normal for all of us. It just should be normal. And unfortunately, I, they for a season, didn't just drown ourselves in the truth of God's word to the extent that it was allowed to inform our thoughts, expose our lies. And it started with adultery, but did you hear everything else they referenced? My control, my pride, my fear. Like the, the, the scripture, 2 Corinthians 3, I think that Laurie read about being changed from one degree to the next. They weren't just healed from adultery. Like God is healed and healing because that's what he will do all the way to the end if we allow him to. So, man, thanks, y'all. Thank y'all. Strong. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm just, I'm just going to close this in prayer. But also, anybody that's here, if you've got a question, uh, if you've got anything similar related in any way to anything like that that you're walking through dealing with, uh, Laurie referenced something that changed her, and that was someone standing on a stage unexpectedly pointing, not at her, but kind of at her, and saying, today is the easiest day, the best day to confess. If you don't even know what that is, think Psalm 139. Go read that. Search me, O God, and know my heart, and show me if there be any grievous way in me. See what that might be. If you want to talk about any of that, Laurie and Stacy will be down here, happy to chat with you. I'll stay down here, be happy to chat with you. Some other Springs folks will as well. So let me pray for us. Oh, God, uh, we just are uh, blessed today to be able to 
sit back and just see you uh, do what you do and to see you take uh, people who uh, desire to seek you and uh, God, ultimately people that you desire uh, to seek after. And uh, Father, we're so thankful, we're so grateful that you love us that much, that you will do just what Stacy said, which is to love us enough to expose those things, uh, to turn us to you, God. You're turning us to you as your gift to us. And Father, I pray that you would do that with everybody in this room, uh, folks that know you. God, I pray that we would not be idle, uh, but God, instead we would pursue you with our whole heart. It said, you, you tell us that you go to and fro uh, looking for those whose hearts are fully yours, that you may support them. God, let that be us. Got anyone here that doesn't know you? God, I just pray this morning that they caught a glimpse of who you are, how much you love us. And uh, Father, we just, we're so grateful. Thank you for this morning and the special time that it's been. Thank you for Laurie and Stacy. Thank you for their boldness to show us a part of their life, which should be something that is normal because that's who you are. God, thank you again. In Jesus' name, amen.